0: The hymn says, I need thee every hour. Somebody here today knows you need him. And when you needed him, it showed up right on time. You got strength when you were weak. You got hope when you were hopeless. You got joy when you were sad. Whatever you needed, he gave it to you. Oh, bless his name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I greet you today in the grace, peace, and joy of God our Father and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah was in prison and the king needed some assurance so king zedekiah sent for jeremiah and he asked jeremiah is there a word from the lord and jeremiah said yes there is a word but the word that he gave him was not what the king wanted to hear but today i pray that what god has to say will be what we need to hear God, we come now to thank you for a chance to stand and to speak for you. God, we pray that you speak through us. We pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for my Redeemer. Thank you for loving me. In the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to speak to yourself. That's a popular song that helps everybody but the thing about that song that really gets me is that when they sing, sing that song, they say, encourage yourself in the Lord. Yeah. Uh, we can do a whole lot to ourselves with discouragement. Matter of fact, I would argue that we discourage more than we encourage ourselves. And when you're discouraging yourself, you're not going to find that in the word of God. That's just you having a time to get through what you're getting through. The Lord does not discourage us, he encourages us. And we find that encouragement in the word. But life's frustrations and mistakes, they tend to take us down. And all of us at some point in time in our lives need to be encouraged. The word of God today is going to help us to see in his word what it means to be encouraged. If you have your outlines, raise your hand if you need one. I said, while you pray with me today, I want to talk from this thought, how to encourage one another. Uh, We're staying with the series that Pastor has started with the one another's. Today we're going to deal with encouraging one another. We've read the preaching text through the responsive reading. I want to highlight for you verse 11 of that responsive reading, and it reads, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you're already doing. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Here in this letter to believers in Thessalonica, it's a young church, it's a Church that the Apostle Paul founded on his second missionary journey. Uh, It's a church that took to heart the gospel movement. Uh, It's a church that once Paul started the church, they took off and had a high energy. They had high energy. They were sharing the word. They were bringing people to a saving faith, and they were doing what God called them to do. The gospel was rapidly spreading. This was around A.D. 50. 51. Things was going good for this band of believers in this region of the world. And Paul loved these believers because they took to heart the gospel and they went to work. Uh, he had to go on another journey and he tried to make his way back to Thessalonica, but there were demonic forces that wouldn't allow him. So he sent his son into ministry Timothy to just go check on these believers. And as Timothy checked on them, all was well, but there were some things going on. Uh, just like any church, you got some issues. And, and, and the church had a few issues that they wanted Timothy to take back to Paul and let him address these issues. And so when Timothy gets back to Paul, he gives him what's going on, and then Paul writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, this church had a lot of energy. It uh, there, so much energy that there was a lot of questions. They, they were curious about a lot of things. There was a lot of discussions. There was a lot of sit-arounds and philosophizing and trying to understand all of the depths of the gospel. And, and they had all of these issues. And some of that energy was related to the return of the Lord. Uh, eschatology is the formal word for that. It's the doctrines that have to do with the last days of the world. Now, they were interested in that, and that's not unusual because the disciples were interested in it as well. So Paul addresses this issue for these believers, and he addresses them in a way that prayerfully for them, it just set everything straight. And so when he writes this letter in the fifth chapter, he addresses those issues for the first 10 verses, and he gets to verse 11, and he uses the word therefore. That word is a conjunction. And when you look at therefore, you have to ask this question. What is the therefore there for? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question. My Good Hope family does a good job of asking the best questions. And let me explain to you what that means. It's a conjunction essentially saying for this reason. It serves to coordinate uh, what follows with what precedes. What you're talking about. Well, preceding the first 10 verses, Paul explains things. And then when he gets to verse 11, he says for this reason encourage one another, build up one another. And when you think about what he's writing about, he's answering their issues. He's dealing with the issues that they sent to him through Timothy. And the number one thing that that he had to deal with was this issue about the day of the Lord. They were preoccupied with it. And And the day of the Lord in the Old Testament was referred to as a future period of time that includes desolation, judgment, blessings. And it also includes darkness. Uh, the Thessalonians were so wrapped up into this that, that they were asking some details like, Paul, look here, when is it going to happen? What, what, what date? What, what period of time? Is it in two years? Ten years? What, what, give us some details. And Paul responded in writing as Jesus told the disciples in Mark 1332. But of that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in hell, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father alone knows. Only God knows. You're spending all your time trying to figure out something that don't nobody know but the Lord is what he was telling them. Uh, they spent so much time that it got them distracted. Uh, they were discussing it, and, and when you get hung up on issues like that, you get a misunderstanding of your biblical assignment as a believer. You get anxious about things. You get discouraged about things. You kind of get misdirected. And, and their questions were really not out of a curiosity. Their questions really had to do with are they prepared for the end time? Believers for a long time have been asking that question. We even have that question asked today. The most recent prophetic proclamation came from a guy named David Mead, a Christian conspiracy theorist. He made his prediction about doomsday. He said that it's all over October 23rd, 2017. Don't get it twisted. Jesus said he didn't know. Only the father knows. So the next time somebody tells you that it's coming, you tell them, God bless you, you be on about your business. (laughs) Only the father knows. So Paul writes this letter to kind of just settle things down, if you will. And he begins to tell them what they need to focus on. So when we get to verse 11, he says, therefore, encourage one another. Build up one another, just as you had been doing. He tells the believers what they need to do to understand regarding their biblical assignment on their Christian journey. So today, for you and I, if we are going to understand our assignment to encourage one another, the very first principle of this text is teaching us today It's found in verses four and five. And the first principle I need you to see here is that you must know who you are. In verses four and five, he writes, but you brothers and sisters are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. You don't belong to the night or the darkness. Focus on what you can impact. The day of the Lord will come. It's not like we can put up a stop sign. Say, hold up, Lord, hold up, hold up. I got a few things I got to take care of. Can we take a break? We don't have that privilege. We don't need to be focusing on something we can't change. So how many times in your own life have you focused on stuff that you couldn't do anything about it? Got you all frustrated, tied up, tangled up. You was just flustered. You're trying to fix something that you can't fix. Paul reminds these believers that you are children of light. 1 John 1 and 5 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. This phrase, children of light, speaks to the people of God as light in the world. Scripture often uses light as a symbol of the people of God. Uh, Jesus said it this way in Matthew five fourteen You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Light is associated with God. In Psalm 27 and 1, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And because you are light, you would not be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. Why? Because your salvation is sealed. Uh, When you accepted Christ, you sealed your preparation. Whenever it comes, you good. That's what Paul was trying to get them to understand. That you are in the light, you're not in the dark. If you're in the dark, then you got something to worry about. Darkness here in the text is talking about the unbeliever, the one that's still living and walking in sin. He compares the believer to the unbeliever, and the unbeliever is in darkness, and the unbeliever is the one that really needs to be concentrating on what he needs to do. So Paul wants them to get off of that, and he reminds them that you are a light on the hill. And because you are a light on the hill, you ought to make a difference in a dark world. Your assignment is to let your light shine. Your assignment is to encourage One another. So when you let your light shine, I gotta tell you, you don't know what God's gonna do. He does things when you let your light shine. Because your light is a reflection of Him. And as a reflection of Him, everything He does is good. And if your light is shining, God's gonna show out. Read a story about a young man that was a son of a famous baseball player that was real successful. He was trying baseball, and he was able to get to the minor leagues, and he wasn't doing too well. Because he wasn't doing too well, he was having a time trying to convince himself to stay in there. So in a particular game that uh, he was batting, the umpire that was calling the balls and strikes uh, saw him, and he just watched him. And then between bats, he whispered in the young man's ear, When he whispered in his ear, the next time he came up to bat, the young man hit a home run. He had been striking out and doing nothing else, but this time he hit a home run, and his career took off. And He was eventually called from the minor leagues to the major leagues, and on the day that he was getting ready to go, one of the coaches asked him, you know, you weren't doing too good. You just took off. What happened? He said, well, one day the umpire, who knew my dad, and had called balls and strikes behind my dad. He whispered in my ear. He said, you, you so-and-so's son, I, I remember your dad. And when I looked at you, it, you looked just like your dad. Your jeans, your arms looked just like his. Matter of fact, you swing the bat just like him. And he said, once that umpire told him when he went to bat the next time, He just imagined himself as his daddy. And then it took off from there. Imagine yourself as light. Imagine yourself as God using you to tell somebody what they can do. Encourage one another. That's your assignment. The second principle in this text that Paul wanted them to get, first, you need to know, you must know who you are then you must stay woke. Here in verses 6 through 10, it reads, So then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Uh, The biblical reference here regarding staying awake has been around since the Bible has been recorded. It didn't show up with Black Lives Matter. It didn't show up with all this other craziness that they have out there. The Bible has been telling you and I all along, wake up, stay woke, be alert. And here Paul is trying to get them to understand the value of being woke. Uh, Here when when they write about sleep, they're really talking about, in the biblical sense, the lethargic laziness of the spirit. You can get lazy in your spirit. And when you get lazy in your spirit is when trouble comes to your spirit. What Paul is trying to get them to say, to see is that you're spending time on stuff that's going to mess you up instead of build you up. And So what he wants them to understand that you can't walk in darkness. A matter of fact, you're children of the day and you need to walk in what you are. You are light. So when we walk in light, we understand our assignment. And stay woke here calls us to have a higher Deeper level of spiritual awareness. Why do we need to have it? Well, discouragement is everywhere. You ain't got to work hard to discourage somebody. You ain't got to work hard to see discouragement. It's in the church house. It's in families. It's in church folk. And Lord have mercy, it's on social media. I ain't never seen so many people say, I'm taking a break from social media. You don't have to create frustration or discouragement. It creates its own self. What you have to do is work at encouragement. And here Paul is trying to get them just to see that you're spending your time in the wrong place. Now, now, in these biblical days, they didn't have social media, but they did have to fight against people not wanting the gospel to be spread. So every time they would do a good thing, something bad would come along. So they had to be encouraged as well. But Paul wants them to understand that you need to be sober, you need to be clear-headed, you need to have spiritual awareness because your enemy is not flesh and blood. Read what it says in Ephesians 6:10 through 12. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. So that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Your battle is not the brother and the sister sitting next to you, it's the enemy. It's the devil and all of his schemes that we encounter. That word, phrase, stay awake, speaks to watchfulness. It speaks to being observant. It speaks to being attentive, being awake, being alert. Uh, And and you want to be alert to not only the dangers of this world, but the blessings. You want to be alert to the times that there's an opportunity to do good. And yet you know when those opportunities to do good. The Lord speaks to you, so you need to bless this person. You, you need to do something for this person. And, and sometimes you might have seen yourself saying, I don't know what it is, I don't know what's going on, but I, the Lord is leading me to do what I'm doing. Then sometimes people say, something told me to tell you. And, and I let them tell me, and it's usually a good thing, and then I say, well, let me give you the name for something. That name is the Holy Spirit. And anytime the Holy Spirit tells you to do something for me, I need you to do it full blast. Oftentimes, God is working with us in the spirit realm. And unless we are alert to it, unless we are into it, we might misread it and get off target. Much of what these believers were dealing with. They were dealing with things that did not matter. Mark 14, 38 tells us to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter told us, stay alert. Watch out for that great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Every time you get up, you better recognize that he's looking for someone to devour. You don't believe me? You say you got the schedule for devotion. You're going to get up in the morning and you're going to get on track. Somebody called you on the phone in the morning and just blew your day. If he don't hit you that way, get in your car and go to work. Somebody cut you off. Now today, when they cut you off, you just need to let them cut you off. Cause they packing today. They don't care about you or anybody else. Your best move. Thank you, Jesus. Let me get to work. That's the world that we're in. Be alert. Stay alert. Be aware, Paul is wanting these believers to focus on the right thing. He's wanting them to understand that you're children of light. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to live in a world that you are worrying about how things are going to work out. Keep your eye on what matters. Keep your eye on what God is concerned about. And Paul tells them, in this letter, that you keep your eye on what God is, and he's going to give you something to protect, help you to protect yourself. He uses some, some imagery here about the breastplate in, in, in verse 8. Uh, he, he, talks, he uses it from Ephesians 6, and in Ephesians 6, when he used the breastplate, he talked about it as being the righteousness and then the helmet of salvation. But here in this verse, he 's talking about it from the, the graces that we understand of faith, love, and hope. So he uses that that image and he uses the breastplate, and a breastplate in those days when it covered you, it was really designed to protect your vital organs. And so he says, "Protect yourself with faith and love, your heart, protect your heart with the breastplate of faith and love." and then he says. Put the helmet of hope to salvation. A helmet has the idea of protecting your thoughts, protecting what's going on up here, because that's what gets us in trouble before anything else. We, we be thinking and then we get a thought that we know we ain't supposed to have and we run with the thought that we ain't supposed to have. And then we find ourselves in a lot of trouble. And so Paul is saying that's what you need to do. Put the helmet of hope and remind yourselves, of the salvation of Jesus Christ, we're in a culture today that says or ask the question I should say is, what does stay woke mean?" Well, sadly, it started good, but they've hijacked it. And heaven only knows what it means now. That's the culture. That's not a new thing in the culture. Erica Badu didn't create that in her song, I Stay Woke. She didn't create that. Hal Melvin and the Blue Notes didn't create it either. Wake up, everybody. There's no sleeping in bed. The world won't get any better. We got to change it. Just you and me. The culture came up with that. But I got news for you. The Bible already had it. And when the Bible has it, it can't get hijacked. Because that's what it is. It's the Word of God. It's God telling His people I need you to stay woke. I need you to focus on me. I need you to be vigilant for me. I need you to be sober and not walk away from the truths of the Word. I need you woke so you can do your assignment. So when Paul gets to that last verse, after all of that, and he says, for this reason, all of these things, you need to encourage one another. You need to build up one another. Believers, you need to do just what you've been doing. The last principle here in this text that I need you to see, I I told you, you, you must know who you are. You must stay awake. Now, you must be persistent. Encouragement is not seasonal. It's just not New Year's Day, Christmas Day, Mother's Day, Daddy Day, Grandparent Day, now they got sibling day, cheering day, all of that. It's just not seasonal. Encouragement is needed every day. Encouragement is needed by the believers every day. And, 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 and encouragement is what the Proverb 1624 says. It's like gracious words that are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And that's what encouragement does. And if and, 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 and somebody has encouraged you, you know what that text is saying. And, and, and it's a way that helps you. From doing the opposite. You know the opposite. We talk about encouragement and we start gossiping. Girl, they tell me. Man, I, I heard. I don't know if it's true, but I heard. And whatever we heard or what they told, if it was bad, that's the moment that we need to be praying and speaking encouragement to whoever it is. Because the text in Proverbs says it's like honeycomb sweetness to the soul, health to the body. That word one another really is kind of a reciprocal word because when you do it, it comes back to you. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, going to visit somebody that you know is sick and you know they're not doing well and you're kind of like, I got to go. I don't really want to go. I don't really want to see them that way. Ugh. And you show up they smiling, talking you until you got tired. And you go in sad, but come out skipping. You try to encourage them, but they encourage you. So if you are encouraging one another, God will take care of you. And what Paul is trying to get them to see is that you got to focus In relationship on one another. You've got to be the one that gives encouragement. Encouragement is necessary in our walk of faith. Without it, we'll feel unloved. Without it, we'll have some struggles. And if you can't find encouragement in the household of faith, where else can you find it? Oh, I know there are a lot of good things going on outside of the household of faith. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed how the sororities and the fraternities do good things. I've witnessed it. But in the household of faith, the good ought to outshine anything anybody else is doing. Because the Bible says that we ought to encourage one another to build up one another. And if we're doing that, then the body... Go strong. Yes, yes. What's your assignment? Hallelujah. Encourage one another. Uh, the, the, Hebrews 3.13, it says, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. All right. The writer says day after day, be persistent. In the morning, in the noon, at nighttime, yeah, yeah. be persistent. Encourage somebody. If you can't encourage somebody, encourage yourself morning, noon, and night. Yeah. Uh, encourage somebody. And, and, and the rest of that text says build up. And that build up has the idea of, of strengthening someone. When the Bible talks about edification, it talks about it from the idea of strength urging you to give strength to somebody. Speak to them and and you'll see that their strength is renewed. And and, and when you read Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. Romans 15 and 2 says, Each one of us, must please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now, I know that some of you say, well, I really don't know what to say to people, Reverend. I, I, I understand, but I don't know what to say. Well, encouragement is not always words. Right. Show up. Yeah. Read a story about a, a preacher that had lost his wife and people were coming by the house and one particular fellow came, and the whole time he was there, he's talking. And the pastor said, man, I just wish he would leave. <laughs> then there's someone else that came and visited. And all he did was sat. Smile. But Jesus sat there. And the pastor said he was more encouraged by him than the other one. So encouragement doesn't necessarily mean you got to say something. Sometimes you might put your foot in your mouth. I got real experience with that. Deacon Wilch, young deacon here at the Good Hope Church, Brother Tibbs. They took me out to visit one of the brothers in the hospital that had surgery. Young deacon, excited. I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there. Yes, sir, let's go to the hospital. Let's, let's visit this brother, lift his spirits. We go in there in his room. Pastor Scurry, daddy was there. So we go in. I'm going in. I'm hyped. We see the brother. He's, he's laying in bed. I go in. Hey, brother. Tell me, how you doing, man? How you feeling? Brother Scurry grabbed my hand. Uh, Ronnie, he, he had throat surgery. He can't talk. <laughs> if there was an exit, I was going to take it. But Brother Page, I shut up and just stood there. What's my point? Don't let that bother you. You show up. God will bless. You can encourage somebody. You can encourage somebody. How do I know that? Because somebody has encouraged you. You know what it sounds like. You know what it looked like. You know what it feels like. You know all about it. So God has called you to be the one that encourages someone else. On occasions, some of us suffer with the down-home blues. You you know what they are. Boy, life just ain't right. Things ain't working out like I want it. Oh, woe is me. Oh, Jesus, where are you. Lord, have mercy. The world just coming to an end. Lord, why can't I have this and why can't I have that? The down-home blues. The world can be tough sometimes and it can be unfriendly. It can hurt you. It can make you depressed and dispirited. That's why the Bible is full of encourage your brothers, encourage your sister. Say a good word to them. Show up for them. Give them what they need in the Lord. Because the world is going to give you everything against that. So our assignment as believers is to be the ones that encourages one another. David in 1 Samuel 36 had returned home to Siglad after war only to find out that the enemy had come in and taken captive all of the children and the wives. So David and his army was despondent. Matter of fact, his army was so despondent that they talked about hanging him. So David in his depression, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to speak victory over the test. No matter how you feel, speak the word and you will be healed. Speak over yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to speak the word over yourself. The pressure is all around. But God is a present help. The enemy created walls, but remember giants... They do fall. And speak over yourself. On, Encourage yourself. As a minister, as I minister to you, I minister to myself. Life can hurt you. Till you feel there's nothing left. No matter how you feel, speak the word and you will be healed. Speak over yourself. Encourage yourself. Now, when the Lord lifts you up, you ought to encourage somebody else. When the Lord brings you out of the blues, puts running in your feet, joy in your spirit, you ought to tell somebody what God has done for you. You ought to tell somebody that's struggling with anxiety and peace. You ought to tell somebody to be careful for nothing, but in everything, with praise, supplication, and thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You ought to tell somebody who's depressed, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord. Strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads to that one that's disappointed, that one that life ain't working out. Best friend is now the worst friend. Family all jacked up, everything ain't going right. Remind them of Romans 8:28. All things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Tell somebody. Who's got some fear? But God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you love, power, and self control. Tell somebody, I can do all things through Christ who loves me and strengthens me. Tell somebody what Jeremiah said. For I know the plans I have for you. The design declares the Lord, He says, but to have for you welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Tell somebody that when they feel defeated, Romans 8 and 37 said, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus that loves you. Tell somebody that you are God little children and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Tell somebody that I've been young and now I'm old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed breaking bread. Tell somebody Tell somebody that if you're weak and faint hearted, Isaiah says, that they that wait upon the Lord will mount up on wings like eagles. You'll run and not get weary. You'll walk and not faint. Tell somebody that God loves you. Tell somebody that you are somebody in the Lord. Tell somebody that God loves you just like you are. Because Romans says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died tell somebody that God will take care of you tell somebody that I don't know what you needed to hear today but this you needed to hear that the God that we serve the children of light we're gonna let our light shine this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. In my neighborhood, I'm gonna let it shine all around my family. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Oh, bless his name today. How to encourage one another. Those of you willing can stand on your feet. Somebody today, it's been a rough week. Second Sunday in March, already. Things ain't changed. You don't know what's going to happen. But the Word of God says wait on the Lord. In Isaiah 40, he says that he'll make the mountains and the valleys and the rough places smooth. But you got to wait on him. But then you got to have a relationship. Because if you're waiting on somebody you don't have a relationship with, you just wait. So today we're going to give you an opportunity to have that Relationship. God in Christ died for you he sent his only begotten son the Bible tells us that people when Jesus came denied him and in John first chapter 12 verse he says but that those that acknowledged him those that came to him he gave the right to become children of God If you accept him, he gives you the right to become a child of God. You don't have to say a whole lot. We have men and women up front that will help you. All you got to do is release and say, God, I want a relationship with you. I believe Christ died. I believe that he died for my sins. I want a relationship with you. What I do know is that once you tell him that, things start working out. You find what you didn't find before. But most of all, you have a saving relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. His ultimate goal is that you be saved. So today we extend to you. If you have not come to a saving faith, we extend to you right now. You can come just as you are. You don't have to worry about how you're going to say it or how you look or whatever. Come just as you are. God is waiting for you just as you are.